Welcome back to the Architecture Firm Marketing Podcast. I'm Dave Sharp, Marketing Consultant for Architects at VanityProjects.com. In this conversation, recorded in August 2020, I speak to Ray Brown from Archibiz. Ray is a business coach and entrepreneur who helps architectural leaders to become better business people. In this conversation, we focus on the key certainties of a successful business, how to establish a vision for your architecture firm, the importance of structure, board thinking, and the business improvement process, how to position your firm to attract clients, how to market it, and so many other things. If these sound foreign to you or sound interesting to you, you definitely need to listen to this conversation because Ray has picked up a lot of great insight advising architectural leaders and he shares it all in this conversation. So I really hope you enjoy it. If you'd like to make sure that you get conversations like these in the future, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. You can also go to youtube.com, look up Dave Sharp, subscribe to my channel there, and you can go to vanityprojects.com, go to the blog and join the mailing list to make sure that you always get conversations like these directly to your inbox the moment they come out. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Ray Brown from Archibiz. Ray Brown from Archibiz, thank you very much for joining me today. No, it's an absolute pleasure. I've been looking forward to it. No, that's like me too. Like we, we sort of just met fairly recently, right? We had a conversation about all the ways that my business should improve <laughs> and, and I found, you know, found your insights extremely useful. And then I came along to your um, designing architectural practice uh, course that you're working on with your group and just been learning a lot in the last couple of weeks about you. So yeah. do you want to maybe give a little bit of an introduction to, of yourself to my audience just in terms of where, where you kind of came from prior to yeah. this and what you're doing yeah. at the moment? Yeah, so I had a business career in Scotland. I'm not from Australia. You maybe picked up my accent. Um, I say to people I didn't have an accent until I came to Australia. Um, and so I came here in 2005. Uh, I've been a business coach since then, uh, about 16 years. Uh, and in the last five years, I've, the focus has shifted to architects. Uh, and now that's led on to an online business called Archibus. So I'm in partnership with a digital marketing uh, expert, Beck Kempster. And we pulled together a program um, that really it's a distillation of the stuff I've learned over the 16 years. And in particular, what I've learned over the last five years in working with architects and just this big gap that there is for architects in, in the business basics and business fundamentals that mm. they don't get taught at university. No. So what got you interested in architects or architecture? Uh, well, it's a really good question. Um, I, Beck and I actually wrote a book about being a, a CEO. So find lots of technicians who are find themselves leading businesses but uh, have had no experience or knowledge or training in being a CEO so that was the that was the initial thought let's uh, uh, attack CEOs as a as a target market too wide an audience <laughs> but niching down is, is the key uh, so I had five architect clients at the time really just by accident but one person refers another and so I'd had the five architects. They were all effectively CEOs running their businesses and they had all the same issues. They were technicians. And as one of them confided in me, he said, Ray, most of the time I feel like a well-meaning amateur when it comes to business. Yeah. Uh, and that, that was the cue. That was the uh, clue that we were on the right track. And yeah. last wee while has been really just identifying and codifying that stuff in a framework that works. Yeah. And so you've been really concentrating on business basics, right? And fundamentals. Yeah, it's, it's well, I'm not an architect, so and I'm not an accountant. So yep. it really is about um, the, the basics of business, things like vision, purpose, culture, business yep. model, positioning, uh, all of those things that, that architects, and to be fair, other business hmm. businesses as well, they speak about them, but as soon as you dig a little bit deeper and say, what do you mean by that? They really, they've got very little clue and, and certainly no real understanding of how to implement it in the business. Yeah. So what are the, some of the red flags that you would see for an architect or warning signs that they might be having issues in terms of their business acumen or their knowledge in how they're running their practice? Well, it's, it's interesting because um, the, the chap had taught me to be a business coach, a very bright young man, and he, he had a business cycle model that really applies to architects. And businesses typically go through startup and then they have a period of what we used to call the good times when you're... <laughs> Get, getting stuff happening, you're playing golf on a Friday and having drinks on a Friday. Yeah. And, and then suddenly you get a little bit of payback. Um, 
and then it's all downhill from them. Messes <laughs> come in and the frustrations. And what what happens with architects is they get they get their payback or the reward quite quickly. They maybe win a couple of awards. They, they design a couple of buildings. They can drive past and say, you know, I designed that. Yeah. Uh, but so the payback comes quite quickly. So the, therefore, the frustration and stress also comes in quite quickly. So I meet a lot of or met a lot of architects who they were either stressed and frustrated or in the worst case scenario disillusioned and thinking of you know do i really want to be an architect for the next 20 years yes uh, and and the sure sign is they say we've won awards we've done some great buildings and the phone is not ringing why is that why is the phone not ringing yeah uh, and i know you you do a lot of marketing um, yeah they usually call me at that point <laughs> yeah, exactly. and, and yeah. i'm sure you've got a lot of depth in that area more than i have but, uh, no no but um but what you're talking about sounds more like a almost more like a bit of a mindset mindset shift in terms of they were chasing a goal of maybe recognition or just even the hard challenging work of designing a successful building from beginning to end and being proud of that and then it just can turn into a bit of stress and frustration and dis disillusionment where does that come from like why does that creep in after well, the after the reward yeah, I think I blame the architectural profession and the universities in particular. So I love telling the story of being on a stage at an team conference in Melbourne and an architect on the same panel as me, who should maybe be nameless, yep. said at one point, what you people have got to remember, and he's speaking now to 200 principally starving architects, I thought yep. a lot of them, small yep. businesses. He said, what you people have got to remember is we're not a business, we're not an industry, we're a profession. And, mm. and my business partner sent me a text that said, keep calm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Because that, that's the, the, the BS that, that architects get fed all the way through. And that, that's the, the mindset that leads to poor business performance. Um, and it's right up there along, alongside the architects hard, architecture is hard and it's a hard business and we don't make money. And these are all just myths, absolute myths mm. in, in uh, architecture that people need to get rid of that's and that's the mindset shift yeah yeah when when i came to your um your course your group course last week you were talking about the three key certainties i think i'll see if i can remember more yep. than two of them okay it was a steady flow of work right a steady flow of opportunity um uh, impact uh I, i'll let you finish them <laughs> i need to do my homework but um what was <laughs> You, that, but but the point I guess I, no, I really want you to jump in and tell me what those are, right? But also, uh, oh, it was just about you know you were really talking about this idea that you know becoming more business oriented doesn't preclude the idea of doing better work. Oh, it's a precursor, right? It's uh, it's what uh, my coach used to call an and conversation, not an or conversation. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to be a good architect. That's your ticket to the game. Yeah. But you also need to run a really successful business. Because that, that's where the, a lot of the rewards come from. So the, the certainty is, the backstory to that is when we're trying to develop our online program, we've done a fair bit of study around that too. And one of the encouragements we've been given is don't give people what they need, give them what they want. Mm. So trying to figure out really what architects want, we, we distilled it down to they really want certainty in their business, a bit more uh, sleep at night certainty, we would call it. And that, that falls into three categories, certainty of workflow, so they want the right quality and quantity of work at the right time. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, it is hard to do in architecture, but you need to do that or you're, you're really going to struggle. Uh, second is certainty of income. So I, I meet too many architects who pay everyone else. And then if there's anything left over, they, they get some money at the end. And that, that that's just not a way to run a, yeah. a business or a family. And then the last one, certainty of impact. So people want to make an impact in the built environment. They want to make a difference and work in the areas that they, they are particularly interested in. So that, that needs to be a strategic choice rather than doing stuff because it pays the bills. Mm, yeah. And that must, that, and then that requires them to adopt a bit of a different mindset in terms of how they think about their business as sort of separated from themselves in a way, because I just, I guess I'll kind of clue you in on, you know, my, uh, my audience or the people that, you know, will probably be watching this. A lot of them are at that period where, they are probably going from being more or less a sole practitioner. They may have a partner. They may have one or two employees, maybe, but they're generally in that very, very small scale. But they want to sort of cross that chasm from not not a business to a business. There's an actual feeling that 
you know how they how they see themselves and what they're doing changes to a certain degree and you know how would you describe that that shift of perspective when you start thinking about your practice as a business versus or in addition to a profession i mean you brought that up as a perfect example maybe maybe rather than starving artist it's the profession thinking versus the business entrepreneur thinking yeah well i think there's there's a lot in that question actually. sorry about that there always <laughs> no, 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 i i think it, it is to some extent it's the key question because um you know, I often say to my new architect clients, could you show me the drawings for the business? And they kind of go, well, what do you mean the drawings for the business? Well, what does it look like when it's finished? And, and that the penny then drops that they're, they're, they're building their business a brick at the time and starting off with what do I need to do tomorrow and next month? And really vision is, is actually a, a key topic for me. I feel in every business, um, you, you can be a one-man band for the rest of your days. That, there's nothing wrong with that. But make it a conscious choice rather than, this what happens in most architectural practices set up work with one other person get a helper get another helper win some bigger jobs get another two helpers and then suddenly you've got a business with eight or nine people that's that's evolved or a practice with eight or nine people that's evolved not with no planning um, and it's been it's almost been driven by the work that's come along rather than where you want to end up and and i think business business is just like a journey you need a destination early on in the process so that you can make some strategic choices along the way that will get you where you want, not, not where you're driven. Um, and that, that, that yeah, I mean, so many businesses that have lost things along the way, they, they enjoyed and were having fun five years ago, but now it's become a bit of a grind. And, and that's such a shame. When you're working with architects to, um, to start to tease out what that vision is, is it as simple as just going, don't forget to stop and think about it, like stop and smell the roses and sometimes that's all it needs or is there a certain way that you approach it or a process that can be you know, helpful? Yeah, I think, um, so when I look back at the, and I've done a lot of reflection on this as part of the developing the course, but yeah. I look back at the five architect practices that I've worked with and I'm like, so what was the, the change? And, and it's no one thing, it's, it's a whole series of small incremental changes. Mm. That, the one, th the one thing that I think works for most businesses is what I've called board thinking. So it's, and, and as soon as you say a board of directors or a board in a business, people think of a, uh, an oak paneled room and a big table surrounded with people that look a bit like me with gray hair and whatever. That, that's not what I mean. I mean, a time once a month, when you look at the things like the finance and the operations and the sales and marketing at a strategic level, not, not a day-to-day -day how we're going to do the work level. Yeah. But, but at a strategic level. And, th and that's where the business moves on a little bit at a time. Are we getting closer to the vision? Is the vision still clear? Are we all still aligned? Um, and without that, strategy becomes an occasional conversation over a beer mm. or an occasional chat over a coffee. And we, you know, we must speak about that thing and it gets forgotten about. And mm. th there's no, no one place where all of that comes together. So for me, the, the board thinking is is the one it's probably the one thing that i would encourage people to to think about and um get get a little bit of formality into that because it, it pays huge dividends mm. the formality is helpful right it is that is that a commitment and accountability thing or is that does that bring a certain amount of objectivity to to it or kind of all of the above i guess well all of the above if, if you involve someone and I'm not looking for business with individual clients, but yep. if you have an external business coach or chair or something like that, and again, that can sound a bit grand, but as you say, the objectivity is key. Objectivity, people that bring in knowledge and tools that can speed up your um, improvement process. And, and the last thing I often say about the external person is the dedicated time to speak about the mm. objectivity and the, the knowledge and tools. If you, if you don't have that time set aside, it's maybe only an hour a month. Uh, then when does that discussion take place? When do you bring in the person to, to help you with that thinking? Um, mm. Just structure is important to business improvement. Mm, mm. It's interesting. I mean, it's hard because we, when we were having this, we were having this discussion about about my approach, and I'm sort of I'm sort of the person who's resistant to structure in terms of in terms of how I work. And you made a pretty convincing case to me that you know some structure would actually 
help you quite a bit. And you know, do you do you find that architects, in terms of their personalities, they're better suited to structure? They actually they actually feel better and they're happier and more productive when there's a bit more structure around them. Or yeah, but they do take a bit of convincing. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> quite a bit of convincing, but then you know, when everything's running smoothly and there's an architect loves a checklist, loves a to-do list. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, I have a diagram, which I shared during the program about. Yeah. Typically, the, the architect is, is wearing three hats. He, he's the owner of the business, so he's a shareholder. Even if they don't have a board, he's still a director, or she is still a director, yeah. in, in essence, looking after the strategy. And they're also an employee. But to have all of those three things, you need something else, which is the business itself. Mm. So you need a concept of the business being separate from... The, the business owner, the board, and employees. And, and it's actually the business that develops a purpose and a culture and a vision and a business model, not, not the individual. So uh, I, I just meet so many businesses where um, I actually call them a, a they business. So when you say to a uh, staff member, so, so where's the business going? Oh, well, I think they want to grow. I think they are looking at a new office. Mm. And, and once you, the business evolves a bit, it becomes what I'd call a we business. So mm -hmm. we, we're building a 10-man team. We, we're going to be diversifying next year into commercial property or education or something like that. And everybody in the business becomes really clear about where the, where the business is going and what impact that will have on their career and their salary and their, their title and yeah. the experience they're going to get within a business. It's really important to keep people energized to mm -hmm. have that clarity. Mm yeah absolutely um that's that's something that i guess what, we, what we've been kind of talking about has been i guess aspects of the business improvement process which is sort of a, a, a dot point i had down in terms of um you talked about it being incremental but yeah. also seeming to have these um you know i wonder how you weigh up the idea of taking that time uh to design the business so to speak um that almost suggests it's an exercise that's done in a single intense sprint, right? But then it is actually an incremental process where you said sort of bit by bit, this constant sort of improvement. Yeah. So in terms of uh, in terms of a business adopting, an architecture practice adopting some of these practices, do you think it's best that they, how, how do you think it's best that they approach it in terms of, is it worth a very intense front-loaded kind of planning and, and that kind of process early on and then developing it over time or? No, well, I think... Um... The first thing is a mindset of, of improvement. It's, it's a mindset. There's always a better way to do things. So mm. I actually read an article today about business improvement, and I've still got to, I'm going to get my calculator out and check this. But it said that if you do if you have a one percent improvement every day, yeah, in 365 days, that's a 37 times improvement in where yeah. you are at the moment. It's astronomical. Yeah. Um, so I mean that's that's asking a lot. But what I've found in the past is. Um, don't have my, my, yeah, I actually do have my folder here. And I use this really good example. Um, so this is my yep. folio. And I draw a lot of diagrams. And I used to um, put clean paper in the top here. And then I would draw in the diagram. And then I, next time I would look for white paper. And the white paper would gradually move down in the folder. Yep. And then one day I realized that there was a piece at the back that I could replenish <laughs> the clean paper at the back. And when it ran down, I just put clean yep. paper, more clean paper in. Mm -hmm. And that, that, that um, that's an example of business improvement. Sometimes the the, um, the improvements are right in front of your eyes, but nobody's asked the question: Why do we do it like this? Is there an easier way to do it? Uh, yeah. Yep. The, the other example I use is the uh, for anybody who's interested in soccer. There's always an argument about a free kick and where the ball should be placed and where the defensive wall should be. And then one day, and it's only about twenty years ago, um, someone took shaving foam and they marked the spot with the shaving foam. And they mark the line for the defensive line. Yeah. Um, problem solved. You know, <laughs> soccer's been around for um, oh, I don't yeah. know, 150 years, and that yeah. somebody just came up with that 20 years ago. Simple solution to a problem. Simple solution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The other one I saw the other day was wheels on suitcases. So it's something like the early 70s when the first wheels yeah. appeared on suitcases, and it was another 20 years before somebody said, "Why don't we put four wheels on?" Yeah, suitcase? yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, so, I mean, like when I'm, when I'm working with clients month to month, you know, working with an architecture practice and trying to work on their marketing, I mean, at its, in its purest, in its purest sense, just finding those immediate 
low i don't want to use the word low-hanging fruit but i like the way you put it the thing that's just sort of right in front of you immediate improvement um there's something amazing about doing that because it is that incremental progress and then you can look back over the span of a year and go wow we actually did quite a lot that that, that did add up but on a certain level sometimes you can also be a little bit i can feel a little bit empty taking that approach when it, it doesn't feel like there's as much um you know you could always stop and have this moment of doubt and go but what's the big picture plan right you know there's always seems to be this competition between big picture planning where things don't really get implemented and then kind of implementation small improvement iteration like what, yeah. do, you, what do you sort of think of the, the i guess do those things how do those two things work together or, or? i think i think they work in parallel so um if i take on a, a new business coaching client whether it's an architect or any other business i usually say it'd be a bit presumptuous for me to tell you how much time you need or will you know, on the basis of a couple of hours conversation, um, I don't know enough about your business to know how I could help you. So let me let me do a business review. Uh, so I did, did this business review and it kind of pegs where they are in the cycle mm. at, the, at the beginning. And then I also say, let's just work on three projects over the next three to six yeah. months. Yeah. Okay. And, and the number one project is invariably vision and direction. Let's yep. get really clear about where you're going. And that then... And there's probably finance is another one. The financial reporting is always a good one. Get that in place. Um, if they're short of work, there might be sales and marketing as a project. Often it's things like roles and responsibilities, getting really clear on who does what. And um, a, lot of, a lot of architectural practices um, have got what I call the holding hand strategy. So everybody needs to know everything. And the three partners need to... There's got to be, we, the, the danger sign is when people say to me, we run a very consensus-based decision-making process. <laughs> that just um, smacks inefficiency. Yeah, and nothing <laughs> but, ever getting decided, right? Exactly. And trying to, con you know, you're trying to convince people all the time rather yeah. than implementing. Yeah. So project, and again, that comes back to the the board thinking that if, if at the board you've looked at finance, operations, sales and marketing, then you would say, let's have a look at the project. So which two or three projects are we working on at the minute? And what's the progress? And are we up to speed? And have we done everything we said we'd do? Yeah. And, and the individual actions in addition to those projects are actually the incremental improvements that we were speaking about earlier. Yeah, that's interesting. So you might decide, start off with a kind of a, a macro top level overview of maybe these are three areas of weakness that we want to three high priority areas of weakness that we want to improve in yeah. then rather than trying to work on all three at the same time it might be a sequence of projects one two three or it could it could it could be a sequence or it could be simultaneous i suppose that might be yeah, a personal... we usually do them in parallel and oh, okay uh, because they're discrete uh, projects yep. we involve different people yep. so projects are a great way to get people within the business to buy in and to feel listened to and um, yeah, a few parts of the, the we conversation. Yeah, we are working on this, and that could be three people across here one practice leader with mm -hmm. two employees, somebody else. Obviously, the vision thing is, is principally the, the leaders of the business. Yep. But um, you, you may have someone in your business that's got a real interest in financial reporting. Yep. For, but um, if they're interested, that in... would be quite the find, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, there's all that. Um, and in the roles and responsibilities we spoke about that yesterday at yep. um, one of the courses was uh, how, how do you decide who does what in a business yeah it's a great great question yeah. at the beginning and often in an architect's office it's a case of whoever's available mm. and whatever we need to do to get the deadline met mm. and that, that's really inefficient yeah we need to be um, every practice owner that i meet I, I tell them that you're a you're a 200 an hour resource yeah okay so if you're doing $50 an hour work, you're not actually saving $50, you're actually costing the business $150. Mm. And, and getting that mindset of pushing stuff down, delegating, I, delegating well, not, not yeah. giving work to people that aren't competent, yeah. but um, just making sure that stuff's been done at the right level in your practice. Yeah, yeah. So that they can be freed up. I'm, I'm assuming to, to work on more of these, um, these on the business projects. Yeah. Or, yep. or to work on the things where they can make a difference with yep. clients. Yep. Maybe, you know, maybe the, the skill is in bringing in business or taking briefs from clients, and, and yep. uh, but not in the, the, the doing yep. Yep. some of the work. So just making sure 
the work is sitting with the right people at the right time. And that, that process is explained to the client too. Mm. I, I find a lot of architects, they can't get what I would call out of the weeds mm. because they, they've positioned themselves as the, the sort of conduit for everything for the client. Mm. So mm. If, you, if you try and pass on work to other people, the, the client kind of gets the feeling they're being passed over or... Yeah. yeah, that seems like a that seems like a big mind another mindset shift that changes when you meet quite successful directors or at, you know successful in terms of they seem to be operating their business very efficiently. They have um, they have generally found ways to you know share that responsibility and from the client's perspective that they aren't just they aren't the one delivering all the work you know and um, it's a team effort. Um, it's a team effort, and and that you've got to get the story right. It's got to be yeah. Um, you know, if I was positioning you for marketing, yeah. I know a, a bit about marketing, mm -hmm. but if I was saying a potential client, the person you need to speak to is Dave because mm -hmm. he's got a lot more experience than I have mm -hmm. and he's got a lot more in-depth skills in the area you need. They're going to love speaking. And then I might say, but I'm not sure I can get him because he's really busy. <laughs> Thanks, Ray. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so you're like, so I'll take on the project. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, that, love that. that. Right away, the the client thinks, well, you know, yep. I'm getting I'm getting the number yep. one man here. Yeah, um, that's a positioning exercise internally in the practice. Yeah, I'm really interested actually in getting your thoughts on positioning because uh, it is something that it's a really big part of the marketing um, conversation. But I find it um, one of the one of the most difficult conversations to have with a lot of clients to find to find positioning concepts or strategies for architecture practices that are differentiated from other architects right so we yeah. sort of generally architects aren't positioning themselves as that different in the first place but then when they go through the positioning exercise how do i how do i take how do i find a place in the market for myself or how do i communicate what my practice is about they will usually or quite often adopt a positioning concept or statement that still very closely resembles what other practices are talking about it's it's rarely something new or defined for them so you know what what are your kind of where do you start with positioning with your clients in terms of or in your content um well i have a i get my clients to develop what i call the sandwich story yeah right what's the sandwich story <laughs> so just like a sandwich there's meat in the middle and the meat is the offering Okay, and whether you're an accountant, or a lawyer, or an architect, the offering between one architect and the next is, is very similar. Yep. Okay, so we do plans and we get planning permission and yep. we do all the things that architects do. And there's a kind of an awareness of that with the client. So saying to somebody, I'm an architect, isn't, isn't enough of a position statement. So the, the two sides of the sandwich for me, one side is what I call the client issues resolved. Mm -hmm. So it's always got something to do with problems yep. and, and uh, upside is great, but there will be, so the, the categories on the, the client issues resolved are things like uh, results we achieve, the, the problems we remove, the issues we resolve, mm -hmm. uh, those kind of things. And, and then below that, how we, we tell that story, and it is about stories. I think marketing is, is kind of going back to, we're all hardwired to re respond to stories. Yep. So I get my clients to come up with, get them to complete the sentences like uh, a lot of our clients are yeah people come to us when yeah um, i had one client last year who and building up that um portfolio of stories so that you can tell the ones that relate to the clients that uh, the, the positioning piece has got to start much earlier than that conversation so that the people that come in the door hopefully are you do the to some extent pre-qualified yeah so when you're telling your story about people come to us when a lot of our clients are, you should be speaking to a receptive ear. Mm -hmm. they, they, they should be hearing the things they want to hear. Mm -hmm. That goes beyond the um, just the meat and the sandwich of we are an architect. And and by the way, here's all the, the buildings we've designed in the past. I think you'll like this one. Yep. Yep. That is such a short-sighted view of that conversation. Yep. And then the other side of this, the sandwich, what I would call differentiators. So what makes us different? And, and that can sound like, uh, we used to do this, but now we do this other yep. thing. Uh, a lot of architects do things like this, but we do something different. Yep. Um, and again, it's building up the stories that, that demonstrate the differentiation in a way that clients will understand. Mm -hmm. and, and you want, you want people uh, in, a, in a conversation like that as a potential client to say, gee, that sounds like me. Mm -hmm. That sounds like my problem. Yep. Or, see, that, these people sound as if they've 
seen my situation before. Yeah. And that, that that's the positioning thing. We, we shouldn't be, um, and it is a big issue for architects because I had someone in a course, I think about three weeks ago, who said uh, this year they've had 15 conversations with people who weren't a fit for the business. Mm. So they had to go through that, bringing yep. them in, yep. in a bit of a brief conversation and then realizing very early these people either don't have the budget or they're not in my segment. Mm -hmm. how, do, how do I get rid of them effectively? Mm. That's such a such an awkward and time-consuming process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, yep. and as I say to my clients, if, you, if you're selling Rolls-Royce cars, you won't get many people coming into the showroom who think they're a Kia buyer. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're pre-positioned um, by the car companies long before they get to the showroom. Yeah, of course. So the, the salesman typically is speaking to people who are likely to be a Rolls-Royce or a Kia buyer. Yeah. You know, yeah. showroom. Yeah. Um, and, and that that's I see that working really well with architects. Mm. Uh, when, because once you get clear on your positioning, then the conversations you're having are all consistent. Um, and I think that the word I use in the, the module that we speak about marketing is understanding who your tribe is. Yeah. No, it's not not a judgment. No, it's not better or worse. It's just who who are the people who are going to resonate with you you and your practice and the work you've done and the work you want to do in the future. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, clearly that's like, clearly that's really powerful advice for an architecture practice, but you know, the response that can kind of come, I don't know whether it's, um, it's just resistant to sort of, uh, resistance to change sometimes in, in this way, or it's, I'm not sure what it is. I'd love to get your thoughts on it is, um, a, I don't think architecture, I think architecture and good architecture and good design should be for everybody. So there's no, you know, there should be no classification of my client and not my client. And I'd be surprised how often I hear that in addition to saying I'm looking for really good clients or clients that share my values. But I'll also hear, I don't think that, you know, I should be in a position of picking and choosing who or who doesn't deserve great architecture, which is a weird one that I, I do hear. Um, but, um, but the other one is, you know, prioritization in terms of if I'm positioning like that, um, I don't want to get stuck in a pigeonhole or in a particular niche and have to do the same thing over and over again. Um, I want to work on a wide variety of things because I think architecture is such a general skill set. I can do anything as an architect. That's the beauty of architecture. So, you know, so I'm just, I'm just sort of loosely playing like, you know, the typical thing or a thing that I hear quite a lot, but those are two I'm kind sure. of common ideas. I think um, that, that's no different from any other business. Okay? Right. So when people start yeah. off in business, um, they, they feel that, and, and I've, seen, I've spoken to people and said, "Who take a financial planner, for example. So, so who do you mm. deal with? And they'll put their hands out like that. And so we can deal with, yeah, we've got Anything, skills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got a lady with 10 grand in a super and we've got one guy with 10 million. Well, yeah. I can tell you she's getting too much and he's not getting enough yeah. in terms of a, yeah. a service. But whereas I know one, um, Andy Gowers, who used to play for um, Hawthorne, I think, he runs a financial planning practice and he says, we deal with, small to medium sized businesses with two to four partners with between five and 10 million in the super. Mm. You know, mm. that, that's his niche. And, and the whole thing is, it's actually counterintuitive. It's, it's this thing about, um, and we'll come back to the vision conversation as mm. well, that, that pick, picking a destination, picking a vision, somehow to people um, equates with narrowing my options, mm. you know, cutting my opportunities. Um, you know, if I didn't look at the, the whole field of opportunities, I'm going to miss some, yeah. and and I just think that that's um, I know it's counterintuitive, but you only have to look at ninety nine percent of successful businesses are well positioned. Yeah, they they know who their clients are, the clients know who they work with, and there's not nobody's hammering you into a niche. We're just saying that you need to be really clear on what the start and end point is of the, and you may have outliers in the type type of work you do, but your core work should be clearly defined and clearly being able to be explained to um mm. you know, I often say to people if, if one of your staff members met somebody in the, the pub tonight and they said who do you work for i work for abc architects uh, who are they the way they answer that next question is absolutely crucial and to say we're an architect and we design houses is not going to be enough that's not going to that's not going to be surprised if they could be that specific well, <laughs> I think I think there were a lot of them that say we're an architect in Collingwood. I think that's about as yeah, positioned as they could. Yeah. 
but but that person that you're speaking to may live next door to your ideal client yeah they may be the boss of your wife's boss may be just about to sign up for an architect and you need to be able to say to him oh gee that rings a bell my next door neighbor is looking for something like that Mm, Um, mm, mm, mm. and and an architect isn't just isn't specific enough yeah exactly Um, yeah in the in that book um i think it's our racist book positioning he talks about positioning being about positioning in people's minds like where is your business in their brain where like i think this idea of you know people they kind of have a filing cabinet and they have they open their architect's drawer or their businesses that can help do things service businesses drawer and they open their architect's folder and then where do they kind of can people systematically understand where to put your business? What is it useful for? What is it good at? What does it do? What does it not do? And it makes it just so much easier for people to understand, you know, when to refer you, when to hire you, what projects to bring you on board for. Yeah, and, and I think that, that comes back to the sandwich story. It comes back yeah. to, if you're asked that in the pub, well, a lot of our clients are, and, and you might just hit the mark on, yeah. and you don't have to tell them all the clients you work for, but you know, are our, our clients um, predominantly have this problem yeah. or our clients. Um, yeah. They, they come to us when, when this thing happens yeah. or when we're retiring down to the beach or downsizing or, you know, renovation of, of a significant size. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've got a, a bigger family. It's um, yeah. This, the whole market, as you and I know, the whole marketing conversation is massive. Yeah. 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 Where it starts and finishes. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's, um, I find with clients, it's not even necessarily about going that that definition has to necessarily be really narrow as well in terms of how you articulate it. It can actually, it can include some seemingly contradictory exceptions to setting some rules. So, you know, an architect might say something like, I do houses for this type of person or this type of family who want to achieve this or want or have this problem. But they might also say, and in some exceptional circumstances, I also do such a, I do hosp, I do, you know, places for these brands that I really believe in or that they help out, you know, so there can be something, there can be a core focus and then there can be a secondary focus. It's, if it's necessary, if a business, if an architecture practice needs to keep that, but as long as they're able to articulate it and sort of yeah. make it concrete for people. And, 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 and I think that what you picked up on was absolutely pinpoint, which was to sort of convert it into a story. Yep. So that you can explain it to somebody in a simple, memorable, you know, uh, easy enough to understand kind of way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people marketing people speak a lot now about personas and yeah, you know, actually understanding this person that, that's going to buy from you. What are the problems? And and the, the, I mean, there's just a whole lot. In yeah, here. there's a whole bunch of Ar- architects. <laughs> architects typically are looking for this small group of people yeah. who want to buy something today. Yeah. And you and I know that marketing is going to start much lower down the pyramid. And we, we've got to deal with people who are aware they've got a problem but haven't got an idea how they're going to solve that yet. Mm. And that may be somebody with a pregnant wife or planning a family mm. or whatever, mm-hmm. knowing they need somewhere bigger. Then you've got the group that's actually in the market and researching. So they may spend a couple of years researching mm. the new home that they're going to build. Or, and there's only a, a small proportion, mm. usually people quote 3%, mm. of people are ready to buy now. Uh, so, so marketing is going to be about getting to those people further down the pyramid and telling the story in a coherent way that's memorable. Oh, see, who was that architect? Yeah, they were the yeah. guys who did this or that. But... Yeah, I, I, I sort of, I did a blog post about a year ago on that topic about how few people are in the market, in actually in the market for architectural services right now. I was looking at something like new houses, for example, and you can look at overall how many new houses are built each month in Australia that they, they publish that information. So you can sort of break down on a state by state level, how tiny, like almost frighteningly small, the number of people who are actively in the market at any given time are compared yeah. to the number of architects who are trying to compete over this very, very small handful of people that are active. But yeah, it's so, so, so I was kind of making the same argument with that post that, you know, thinking about stretching out that those touch points with people over a much more sort of extended period of time, having yeah. a brand that doesn't just deal with, do you need an architect right now and speaks to everybody like they're just about to pick up the phone? Cause the reality is they're not <laughs> in, in most yeah. cases. Um, and I, um, I have a, a diagram that I sometimes draw on the whiteboard that, and it's not just about architects, it's every business. Yeah. That, um, They've got a, a set of skills, resources, 
um, capabilities, products, and, and they're looking for customers, but the customer is on a journey mm. from somewhere at one end to somewhere at the other end. And in the old days, it was a question of, I've got all this stuff, do you want to buy from me now? Mm. No, okay, now we've got this, do you want to buy from me now? Or do you want to buy, from, I've got all this stuff, would you like to buy? And we can turn that pyramid on its head now and say, how do I use these product services and resources to support this journey all along the way? so that when the time is right for them to buy, they will choose us. Mm. You don't have to just happen to be there on the day that they're purchasing, but but we've been, as you say, positioned in their mind in the filing cabinet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what was that people's name? Oh yeah, that was, um, yeah. Yeah, that was Dave, Dave Sharp. Yeah, we must marketing, he's the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read a blog post of his last year. Or... That's it, that's it. Uh, I think, uh, you know, personally I find having people not forget about you is over the long periods of time until they ultimately decide they need your help is the biggest challenge of all getting getting seen by people for the first time is is the easy part it's not it's not hard to get your to just you know get your business exposure in a little you know in in an instant but to actually do that well and then have some possibility or some strategy around holding on to somebody's attention over the long haul is extremely challenging yeah, and I, um, yeah, if we were in different circumstances, I would pull out my electric drill now <laughs> because uh, there's one of my props when we're speaking about the customer journey. Yeah. And uh, I pull out the electric drill and I say, now this, this drill represents your product or your service. Okay. Yeah. And you will have lots of meetings during the year about the product. What color is it? How many functions mm-hmm. is it got? How are we going to market it? How are we going to package it? Uh, how are we going to price it? That's a big question. How are we mm. going to play? How many models are we going to have for this drill? Mm. And we, we spend a lot of time having that conversation about the product or service. And then I take a piece of wood and I drill a piece of wood and I say, that's all your client's interested in. Mm. It's the hole in the piece of wood. Not mm. you, it doesn't really give a monkey's about your drill. Yeah. If you if you could get the hole without you, he would do that. Yeah. Okay. And then as an architect, you're exactly the same. They, they not you've got to be really client focused. And what sits behind the hole, you know. Yeah. And I have to say architects are better at this than a lot of other businesses. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, they, they, other businesses get very focused on the, the product and the service and what it does and the functions. and um, Very sort the, of introspective, just looking in at what they're doing and not really. Correct, correct. Yeah. But architects do, um, do are a lot better at speaking about the, the, the finished product, what you really want, but, but they're not as good as they could be. Okay. Mm, so, mm, um, one of the things I, one of my clients, uh, th- this is a really good, if we've got two seconds for the, mm. the what I call a comfort story. Yeah, go for it. Um, so this lady came in, she said, I think I want you to build a house. It's really good. And we've had a couple of meetings. We're building this big house down in Torquay. Um, and we've got a, a plot right next to the golf course. You just need to meet my husband. So the husband comes in and he said, look, I'm a simple guy. He said, all I want is a view of the golf course and a comfortable house. And my question to architects is, what do you say next? What, what does the architect say next to that comment? And, and I get all of the answers. I won't embarrass <laughs> you by asking you what you would say. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure you've got, but they say, okay, what's your budget? Or we can do that. Or yeah, we've done that before. Or yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah have a look at this. This is a really comfortable house. There's only one answer to that comment. And that is, what do you mean by comfortable? Hmm. Yeah, well, what does comfort mean to you? Tell me about the most comfortable house you've ever been in. Tell me about the most uncomfortable house you've ever been in. Mm, mm. Um, but most people go to the product. Mm. Well, we can do that, or we've done that before, or yep. which is budget, and, and that will tell us how we can create this for you. Yeah, and, and that's a mindset of shifting from the drill to the hole. Mm. Um, and it's amazing how many people. Um, I think I've only had one person who got it immediately and said, "Oh, you've got to be speaking about mm. comfort," um, because because people people typically buy in a feeling space. And that, that's a really gold nugget that someone gave you. It's a mm. feeling world comfort. They've laid it on the table in front of you. And if you ignore that, then <laughs> you're not quite, you haven't quite got the hang of this marketing thing. Mm, mm. That's really interesting. Mm, I wonder what I would have, I'm trying to think, would I have said that? Would I have? <laughs> I'm like, I'm testing myself now. <laughs> that's interesting. Very cool. Um, Ray, you're working on, a, you're, you're doing, so you've got so many projects on the go at the yep. moment, right? I'm I'm struggling to position the many different services that you're offering at the moment and developing and your 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 experiments that you've got running. So so give me give me the rundown on 
okay what you've got at the what's going on at the moment and then what's coming next for archibiz yeah well so the last uh, year we've been running group programs on zoom we've been running our eight week module eight module program designing architectural practice success and whilst we've learned a lot from that and it's been going really well it's, it's hard we want to make a bigger impact in the world of architecture than that so we've recorded a set of those uh, pre-recorded and in September, we're going to be launching a self-study version of the what we call the DAPS course, Designing Architectural Practice Success. But prior to that, we're running a series of free workshops called Mastering the Basics of Business for Architects. And it'd be lovely if some of your people could, if they don't want to go the full way and, and take part in the DAPS program, then certainly I would love to have them as part of the, uh, the basic uh, business basics program which is, which is a free series of workshops and i'm sure they'll get a lot out of that uh, we'll have a landing page that will be available uh, as part of this recording yeah and uh, if people want to have a look and sign up that would be absolutely fantastic yep awesome i think i'm gonna sign up <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 the, the so, so is that going to be structured um so so the so you've got the online version of the of the of the course the um designing architectural practice success course that sort of self-run diy go at your own pace kind of version of it rather than it being a live zoom thing which you've been running up until this point um with the with the free course uh how how is that going to be structured is that going to be a series of you said a series of workshops but is 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 it going to be sort of similar to um sort of like a minimal quick fast-paced version of it or how are you guys going about Planning yeah, so out. The free program will be uh, actually me, me presenting yep. sort of at a high level, some of the highlights and some of the things we've been speaking about today. Yep. But the pre-recorded program, we, we actually got architects in to participate in the program and got their permission to record. A it. live studio audience, unbelievable, yeah, <laughs> filmed in front of a studio audience. Yeah, but it's, it's what we realized when we were doing the live program was that the the conversations and the interactions were actually one of the most important oh, absolutely. parts of the whole thing. Yeah. So people were hearing other yeah. other architects um, discuss the concepts, discuss the issues, the frustration. Well, you know, you. Can I know, Ray. Your your input was secondary in the session that I went to. It was it was the real the real meat of the of it of the whole thing was the architects talking to each other about stuff that they've all got in common, different obstacles that they're dealing with. It was really interesting. It was really yeah. interesting seeing that group dynamic. Yeah, and I think that's it's something I've always wanted to do. I thought I would have to get cameras into a training room and uh, have the whiteboard <laughs> and all of that. And along came Zoom and yeah. said, yeah, you can do it just by pushing a button yeah. and recording the, this live session. So yeah. it's actually worked out really. The, the sessions are looking really good. We've broken them down into, well, there's eight modules, but each module will be sorry, kind of six or seven smaller videos. Mm. Um, and what, what we're finding is that leaders of, of practices are going back to their practice and showing the team mm. or showing their, their partners in business and um, diving in and, and having a look and um, revisiting some of the videos when, when some of these issues actually come up in their practice. Yeah. And that's what's sometimes really good about creating, um, I don't know, taking some of your processes and, and turning them into digital copies of that, that can be shown inside of practices that the whole team can watch in their own time. It, it's sort of, it's almost a way to, to get everybody in the, well, we said earlier we don't necessarily want everybody to be involved, but you mentioned that it's good for everyone to have a kind of a clear idea of where where the practice might be going. Some of the again, some of the business basics. Do you think it actually yeah. is really really helpful yeah. for uh, not it, just the leader? Um... Oh, sorry, Ray. I was just going to ask. Do you think it's um do you think it's also important that the rest of the practice develops their business uh, fundamentals as well? Oh, absolutely. So mm. the. Two of the participants in the pre-recorded program, Kate Fitzgerald is from mm. a practice called Whispering Smith in, yep. in Western Australia. Yep. She was on the very first pilot. And when we give her the opportunity to be in the pre-recorded, she said, I definitely want to do it. And I want to bring one of my staff members, yeah. Nikita, along too. And Nikita's, I think, 22 or 23. And what would happen would be I would be presenting, they would go on mute and they would be discussing the concept in real time. <laughs> about their practice and how they could improve things. And then they would come back into the program. So yeah. it's, um, yeah, I, th I think there's a few, there's a few hidden benefits that we didn't realize would be available yeah. to people by using this format. And it's just so much better than sitting down for an hour, watching someone run through a PowerPoint slide deck. Mm. Um, 
just no this is a much better approach to education i think yeah that's awesome well i'm looking forward to um seeing what everybody thinks about it when they sign up and go to the landing page it's going to be really really cool and how long is that going to be available for do you think at the moment Uh, well good another good question we are um we're running a not reinventing the wheel so Mm. we've been doing an online course called product launch formula Mm. and the encouragement there is to do this and launch the product and support the people who are doing the the product at a point in time and do that twice a year yeah rather than having your product available online to buy any any time Mm. we're going to have a cohort of people Mm. going through the program at the same time we'll be available once a week live We'll have a Facebook group or a, some other platform yeah. where that those people doing the program at the moment can have the conversation, submit questions, have have the discussion. So it will be a, a live. Oh, okay. So it's going to be there's going to be some a, kind of an overlay of some live elements and some support and everything like that. That's really interesting. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So when we're looking for feedback, this is the first time we've done the yeah. pre-recorded version. Um, I, I know the material is going to be very good, but there'll, there'll probably be things that we could add to it and, and um, clarify for people. Mm-hmm. Well, it's really exciting. Thanks, Ray. Thanks for coming well, coming on Zoom and chatting about, you know, I, I think I picked some of my sort of favorite topics to get more of your thoughts on, but um, you may, they must all be very fresh at the moment because you're in the middle of making yeah. making this stuff. So. I um, Yeah, but business is my passion and my yeah. hobby so uh, it's front of mind most of the time <laughs> too much of the time my wife said <laughs> awesome Ray. Good to you. thank All you right. very thank much you. see you later perfect thanks well that was my conversation with ray brown from archibiz if you want to learn more about ray you can go to archibiz.com.au Their team work with people all over the world and you can go there to learn more about their services. If you want to see more about what I'm doing, you can go to vanityprojects.com. You can read my blog. There's a bunch of other free resources there. Uh, I'd encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. Leave me a review if you enjoy it so far. You can go back and listen to some of the old episodes as well. I think a lot of the uh, lessons and insights from each of those interviews are still as relevant today as they were then. I'm going to be adding episodes constantly over the coming months. It's kind of my New Year's resolution for 2021. So make sure you're subscribed to the podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel on the mailing list, and that way you'll absolutely get everything that I put out. Uh, And I really look forward to sharing that stuff with you in the coming months. So I hope you enjoy this conversation and I'll speak to you again soon.